This is the Holy Gospel according to John, the ninth chapter. As Jesus walked along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. He was born blind, so that God's works might be revealed in him. We must work the works of the one who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had said this, he spat on the ground and made mud with the saliva and spread the mud on the man's eyes, saying to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Then he went and washed and came back able to see. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar began to ask, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some were saying, It is he. Others were saying, No, but it's someone like him. He kept saying, I'm the man. But they kept asking him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and said to me, Go to Siloam and wash. Then I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, Where is he? He said, I don't know. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was a Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. But then the Pharisees also began to ask him how he had received his sight. He said to them, Put mud on my eyes, then I washed, and now I see. So some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not serve the Sabbath. But others said, How can a man who is a sinner perform such signs? And they were divided. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him? It was your eyes he opened. He said, He is a prophet. Judeans did not believe that he had been born blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight and asked them, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But we do not know how it is that now he sees, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he is of age, he will speak for himself. His parents said that because they were afraid of the Judeans, because the Judeans had already agreed that anyone who confessed Jesus to be the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore his parents said, He is of age, ask him. So for the second time they called the man who had been born blind, and they said to him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, I do not know whether he is a sinner. One thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? <laughs> he answered them, I have told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? So then they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we don't know where he comes from. The man answered, Here's an astonishing thing. You don't know where he comes from, and yet he opened my eyes. Now we know that God does not listen to sinners, but God does listen to one who worships God and obeys God's will. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. 
Stephanie answered him. You were born entirely in sins, and are you trying to teach us? So they drove him out. Jesus heard that they had driven him out, and when he found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? He answered, And who is he, sir? Tell me, so that I may believe in him. Jesus said to him, You have seen him, and the one speaking with you is he. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment, so that those who do not see may see, and those who do see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard this and said to him, Surely we are not blind, are we? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would not have sinned. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please be virtually seated. Talk about a case study in over-analysis. And I, of all people, should know, because I will analyze something to death. If you can't hear that, Joanne's laughing. Actually, everyone's laughing. Give me one simple task, and within seconds, I will have already formulated in my head a lengthy to-do list, a project timeline, probably a Google Doc or spreadsheet, and about a billion questions for follow-up. Now, sometimes, over-analysis can be a gift when you're trying to get something accomplished in ministry or at work or in school. Having a clear, detailed plan is good, right? But other times, maybe more often than not, over-analysis is just downright annoying, or so I'm told. <laughs> Today's gospel reading feels a little bit like that, right? Like over-analysis run wild. What begins as a simple healing story turns into a lengthy, almost comical debate when you read it. Instead of just accepting and celebrating the healing of the good thing that has happened, everyone from the next-door neighbor to the religious authorities in the synagogue has an opinion. And they have to analyze every last detail to death, which is bad enough by itself already, but their over-analysis comes at the expense of only further isolating an already marginalized person. This man whose name we don't even know is cut off from society, he's alienated from his family, shunned by his faith community, only for being blind. This is a kind of social isolation that I think even most of us living during this time of COVID-19 can't even begin to fathom. The disciples' opening question sheds some light on what must have been a lifetime of social isolation for this man, equating his blindness with something that he or at least his parents must have done wrong. It's a lot easier for us to explain suffering when we can point to some kind of reason for it, isn't it? It's what drove so many at the onset of the HIV-AIDS pandemic in the early 1980s to call it the gay disease. 
A stigma that still exists and fuels homophobia, whether or not you have HIV or not, to this day. It's what's driven even some today to label COVID-19 as the Chinese virus, resulting in discrimination against Asian and Asian American communities. And I think, to an extent, the same thing is going on in this text. Who sinned? What did he do? What did his parents do? What's the blindness sin so that we know not to do that thing? On the one hand, it gives suffering a name and it distances it from us, but it also isolates us from our fellow human beings in the process. Everyone in this story seems only interested in overanalyzing every detail of the man's blindness and how it is that he was healed and how it is that he can now see. They're so focused, it seems, on these stagnant details of the past. Instead of the life-giving future that Jesus has made or has revealed in this moment, a future of God's promise of abundant life for all, and the promise of relationship with God and with one another. Their attention seems to be misplaced, and it only exacerbates the isolation of the man standing right in front of them. What must it feel like to be isolated like that? If we haven't experienced isolation before, and I think to varying degrees, many of us have, certainly some more than others. If we haven't experienced isolation before, most of us are certainly experiencing it right now. But here, it's important to note that the isolation of the man born blind and the isolation that we're in the midst of right now are different. For the man born blind, isolation was social marginalization, being cut off from his people, his family, his religious community. For this man, isolation went to the limits of being degrading and dehumanizing. Now certainly for us now, isolation might feel like all of those things, as we're separated from our families, our churches, our workplaces, our schools, our friend groups. For some, especially those who are living in nursing homes or other care facilities, including some people from this community, confined to their rooms and unable to have even family visit, that isolation is more acute. But the difference is that right now, isolation is for the good of our neighbor. Jesus tells us, love your neighbor. And strange as it sounds, even to me, staying physically apart as much as possible right now is how we love our neighbor in this moment. Still, that doesn't make it any less difficult or painful. But here's the good news that I hear from our gospel this morning. Isolation doesn't mean we're alone. Where everyone else couldn't see, really see the man born blind, Jesus sees him. The disciples can't see him. They ask their question about him at the beginning, and so blindness somehow means that he can't hear as well. 
or worse, as though he's not even there, right in front of them. The neighbors can't see him. They don't even recognize him. They've probably never even taken the time to have a conversation with him up till this point. The Pharisees and the religious authorities can't see him. They're more focused on the circumstances around the healing than the actual man who is actually suffering and who is actually healed, standing right in front of them. Imagine this man's internal dialogue. How many times do I have to answer the same question? How do they not get it? Are they even listening to me? Do they even know I'm here? Then, in the midst of such deep isolation, something remarkable happens. After the man has been driven out alone again, the crowds have presumably left. There, in deepest isolation, Jesus finds this man. And in one tender moment, only a few short verses, we get the first real conversation in this whole story. Jesus sees this man. And for the first time in maybe his whole life, he's not alone. This is what John's Gospel is all about about an invitation to a deep, abiding relationship with Jesus and with God, the God who sees us and never leaves us alone, even when we're feeling cut off or abandoned, even in circumstances beyond our control. The psalm for this day that we'll sing in just a few minutes, Psalm 23, reminds us, God is our shepherd. God leads us. God restores us. Even in the darkest valley of self-isolation, God comforts us. And surely, surely, God's goodness and deep abiding love and faithfulness will pursue us and surround us all the days of our life. Beloved, However we find ourselves isolated, whether by social stigma or disability or illness, or by a worldwide pandemic, know this, we are not alone, for God is with us. Amen.